Jeremiah 1 and 5, I'm sorry guys, Jeremiah 1 and 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you, all right, to be a fill in the blank. We've been talking about over, I don't know how many days, how many uh, parts of this series about your assignment, but this is what we've been talking about, and it says, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. This is a very critical passage for the believer because it answers so many questions. Number one, it answers the question of who formed you, right? We know your mom and your dad got together, but it was God. The Bible calls that God the father of spirits, amen? That God is the father of the spirits, right? So every human needs a body. Every human has a soul. But y'all, you cannot live without your spirit. When you give up the spirit, when you give up the ghost, right? When you give up the ghost, man, you are dead, right? D-E-A-D, right? So you need a spirit. You need that. And your mom and dad did not produce a spirit, right? It was God. God is the father of spirits. That's what the Bible says, okay? So God formed us, number one. Everybody say, God formed us. Our mom and dad came together, did what they did. But somebody say, God formed us. Right, God formed us in the womb. And then he sanctified us. That means he separated us. Separated us, right? So you think about God separating the categories of people, and he did it in the Old Testament. I can't tell you exactly where, but even in the tribes of people, he separated those that were going to be artists. He called them artisans. Those that were going to be minstrels, those are musicians, those that were going to be Levites, those that were going to uh, work in the temple and preach the gospel, those that were going to be military people, those who were going to be at war, right? He sanctified those, and then eventually um, there were uh, the prophets, amen? Uh, he called those separately, and of course, Jeremiah, one of those prophets, right? And then uh, he also... After a while, Israel wanted the king, so he set aside a bloodline of people to be royalty and kings, and he anointed them to be kings, right? So, y'all, there is a separation. You are separated unto something. Most people just don't know what it is, and part of the reason is because our family is so fragmented. Now, if you're in a family where people have uh, aligned themselves with God, um, you may have a clue as to what your family assignment is because God does call individuals, but then individuals have children, and that calling doesn't go away. We believe that God calls families. He calls the Levites, right? He, call, he called the sons of Aaron to be the priests, right? And typically, one of the pre problems we have with PKs, we see with preachers' children, is that they are running away from their assignment. You know, my granddad was a preacher. My daddy was a preacher. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to marry a preacher, the, the, the woman would say. I don't want to get involved in ministry, blah, blah, blah. I saw what happened to my mama. I saw how they did my daddy, right? But, you know, I mean, you don't have to be a pastor in the Baptist church. Somebody say amen with a demon board. I mean, the deacon board, right? 
you, you, don't, you don't have to do that. But a lot of people, that's all they see, and they run away from that. And we know the story about PKs. Some of them, they just, a lot of them just, they just live their life in the twilight zone, trying to find themselves their whole life, right? But they have been set apart, right? And so one of the things that we said about your assignment, you cannot choose your assignment, right? You have to do what? You have to discover your assignment, you know? You don't get to pick, right? You is already picked. According to the scripture, but before I, I formed you, I formed you in the belly. But, but before that, before I formed you in the belly, before your mom and dad even got together, right? Before that, I knew you, and before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you. Hmm. I set, I separated you. Now that's that's funny there. Regina, because it says before I formed you in the belly, that's before conception. He's saying, I knew you. But then he says, once you're in the womb, before you come out, I sanctify you to something. One of the things me and my wife have a conversation about all the time is that, you know, her as a mother carrying all of our children, she knew their personalities in the womb. In the womb, they had their personalities. <laughs> in the womb. She said, this one over here wouldn't move. She just stayed in one part. <laughs> it wouldn't move. And when she came out as a baby, that's what she could lay in Lay in one position. she sit there and stay there for hours. I mean, hey, you can't leave on the couch. Yeah, this one you can because she's not going to move. She's not going to move. Took a long time for her eyes to even open. You know babies come out with their eyes open now? Right? Her eyes were closed for her. I'm like, Gina, is this is she gonna open her eyes? Right? But just soft, gentle, soft spoken, that personality was in the womb. Now Jared and Randy, they were something different in the womb, right? Kicking all the time, moving all the time. Uh, and so the personality. Everything forms while you're in the womb. And the Bible says he sanctifies you and ordains you. Even before you come out, you have a purpose. Isn't it horrible that some people live 50, 60 years and don't know their purpose? Wouldn't it be horrible to die without knowing your purpose? So that's what we're talking about tonight, how to identify the enemy, because there's an enemy to this purpose. There's an enemy to what you've been ordained to. There's an enemy to what you've been set apart to do. All right? And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Are y'all still with me? I'm going to give you just a couple of things that we said at the very beginning of this whole thing. You are the solution to somebody's problem. Everybody say, I'm the solution to somebody's problem. <laughs> somebody's hungry right now. <laughs> we got any cooks in the room? Be a solution. Amen. Somebody need their hair done, right? Somebody need their taxes done. Hello? Yeah, somebody need their grass cut. Somebody needs somebody to build a house for them. You know? You might be an architect. You might be a realtor, right? You are the solution to someone's problem. And that's just in the natural. I want you to write this down. You have two callings. One is your vocation. All right? And the other is your ministry. 
And sometimes, not often, your vocation in ministry is the same. But generally, usually it's not. Right? You can go full-time ministry and pastor and so forth and so on. And that's a very cute calling. And not many people are called to that. But you have a vocational calling, which is natural, right? And then you have a calling and a saint, something you're sanctified to do in the spirit, something you're sanctified to do for the kingdom, right? Number one, you're the solution to someone's problem. That's natural and spiritual. Everybody say amen to that. Okay, you're a reward for somebody. You're not a reward for everybody. You're not everybody's cup of tea, Right? You don't mix with everybody. Everybody don't like you. But somebody likes you. Somebody wants you. Somebody needs you. Somebody's waiting for you. Somebody, 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 you know what I'm saying? Somebody's trying to hire for what you can do right now. And I want to say this. Y'all, we, we had so many flights delayed on the way back. No Pat Cassidy too. No flight attendants because these guys are getting paid $1,000 a week unemployment, right? So... If you think you want to get on the plane and get some benefits to fly, hey, man, you need to go and, and, and maybe fill out an application at U.S. Air, somebody, somewhere like that. Because, y'all, it's somebody that's, that, that just needs you right now, right? So you're not a reward for everybody, but you're a reward for somebody. Somebody needs you, not everyone, all right? And we told you you don't decide your assignment, you what? You discover it, all right? It, it is essential that you discover your assignment and give yourself totally to it, totally to it. Once you discover it, don't mess around anymore, all right? The only reason a man fails in life is because of broken focus. So focus in on it. Put all your resources, your energy, your attention toward your assignment. Once you know your assignment, once you know what God has told you to do, all right, you put everything behind that. And God will bless you. He'll help you. He'll give you favor. All right? As you prepare, everything in your training is preparing you for your assignment. Don't think of anything too small. Don't think of anything like, man, what does this have to do with that? You'll be surprised what your training does. Right? You know, people, I've, I've you know, in school, you know, we say, why do we need this? Why do I need to do trigonometry? Why do I need to do calculus? Well, one of the things that it was doing, it was causing you to develop critical thinking skills, right, that you may need in some other area. You may not do calculus or do trigonometry, but the ability to problem solve, to solve a complex problem, right, something out of your zone to reach down and use a formula to do something, a pattern, right, so don't ever discount anything and use everything toward your purpose. All the stuff that you've learned, all the stuff that you've mastered, right? Okay. But what are we talking about tonight? Identifying the what? The enemies of your assignment. All right? So we, we made this statement. I think I got this from Mike Murdoch, but I'm making it mine now. I think I tweaked it. Every spiritual battle you have in life was to stop your assignment. That was the reason. Sometimes you think about it, my brother, like, why did all this stuff happen to me? Even in childhood, right? 
Why all this stuff happened to me? Why all these difficulties? Why all these obstacles? I look at other people, they didn't have it so hard, right? The number one reason for all the attack on your life was the devil wasn't after you. Y'all, flesh and blood can't do much in the spirit. Like, you know, uh, he just wanted me because I had long hair. Devil don't care about long hair. Because I can speak or I can do this or I'm good with money. Devil don't care about that. He is threatened by people that are born into this earth that God already knew that he already sanctified and ordained to do something. And I believe in the spirit realm there's some conversations. You remember like the conversation that God had with Satan about Job? I think there's some conversations that go on about, you know, and when you're born, he announces it. Pastor, right? He announces it. Missionary, right? He announces it. And the devil knows who's coming into the earth, right? And every attack, and it starts early too. The devil don't play fair, does he? He'll attack you when you're two and three. He'll attack you when you have no power over what's going on. You, you can't help who your mama left you with or who she hooked up with or whatever, right? You can't, you can't help that your daddy got drunk and beat you, all that kind of stuff. You can't help that they downsized the company where your mom and dad was and then y'all had to move and y'all got evicted. You can't help that. But the devil is coming after that assignment. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So every spiritual battle that you've had in life was to stop your assignment. All spiritual warfare in your life is to, number one, break the bond to those who are assigned to your assignment. This is so important. Every battle that you're facing in life, number one, is to break the bond. Okay? Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're hooked up with us, if you're hooked up with me, if you're hooked up with Dr. Rogers and, and people like that, you are hooked, you're in an uncommon situation. Most of your friends are not hooked up like this. Most of them don't experience what you experience at church. Most of them don't hear the word that you hear, right? You are in an uncommon situation. However, the devil's going to constantly fight you to get you away from not only me or the church, those people. Come on, somebody. How long have I been preaching this? For a couple of months. It's the same. And we see it playing out. We see it playing out. And there was a new Christian I was ministering to today, uh, one of the people we missed, and so self-actualized, and she said, you know, you know, I really feel like the devil is fighting me now because she just gave her life to Christ and renewed her life, and, you know, we're helping her with her dad. You know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And she said, yeah, since I've, you know, recommitted my life to Christ, I'm just getting offended at everybody. I just really feel like the devil is coming against me with offense. I was like, oh, my God. I said, you know, I got people been with me for seven years who can't figure that out so self-actualized she knew it <laughs> yeah every attack is going to be number one to break the bond to those who are assigned to your assignment number two make you doubt your assignment number three make you fear your assignment make you quit your assignment alright but tonight we're talking about what how to identify the enemies of your assignment those who will attack you, right? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight.
Many people want a life free from enemies and adversaries. Here's a wisdom key I want you to never forget. The difference between significance and insignificance is an enemy that you have to defeat. The difference between you being insignificant and significant is an enemy. I submit to you, if David never kills Goliath, we don't hear nothing else about him. That was his pathway to becoming the king. He had to face, and not only face, but defeat an enemy. And some of us in this room, we keep coming up against the same, it's the same stuff, and we tell you what it is, the word tells you what it is, he said, like, I can't do it, I can't do it. Why not? You know what the enemy is. This is like this girl today. Yeah, I think it's offense. Of course. Some of you know that that's your thing. I can't over. Why not? The word tells us how to overcome. Come on, somebody. The word gives us weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not. That's your problem. You call them. You're not spiritual. Get spiritual. Get in the spirit. Right? I can't do it. Yes, you can. The weapons of our warfare are not, but are to doing what? That's the first thing you got to do. Mental strongholds. What else? Casting down imagination. Pastor was looking at me funny. That's your imagination. I just look funny. <laughs> I wasn't looking at you funny. I just look funny. But it's your imagination. Why are they looking at me? I, I've had people come up here and preach or do something like that. Why are everybody be looking at me? Because you're on stage. That's why they're looking at you. <laughs> I'm telling you, the devil will tell you all kind of stuff. Hello? She was looking funny. She must don't like me. But the Bible says the love believes the best out of every person. I got the love of God to set about in my heart. Then I'm going to combat that thought. I'm going to cast that thought down. I'm going to bring that thought captive. And I'm going to say, Tia's not like this. She loves me. The same as the, y'all, the devil, I'm telling you, he don't need chains, he don't need ropes, he don't need guns with some of us. Y'all, he takes one little piece of thread and trip us up every time. Same stuff. <laughs> My God. Thank God for new fresh people. Thank God, thank God. I thank God for them. They keep me alive. You know what I'm saying? That keep me alive, man. Like, bro, I was, I was so encouraged when I heard that. I said, so somebody can actually get it? Y'all have not sat under my teaching. Just got saved, but can identify the enemy. And some of y'all been hearing me say, no, 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 that's just your opinion, Pastor. Like, man, I, I, I ain't got time for y'all no more. Hello, I'm moving on. Moving on up, yes. You either get it or don't get it. Somebody say amen. All right? So yeah, man, that's what's, that's what's up. So your, your difference between significance and insignificance is going to be your adversary. You already know somebody's going to be fighting you. Right? And you got to defeat it every time. Somebody say amen. All right. Here's another thing you got to understand. Let's go to uh, Genesis 
chapter 37. We're going to look at this story. We're going to look at a couple of passages too. Now y'all know the thing about Joseph is that Joseph had an assignment. The Bible says Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brothers, right? 37.5, guys, 37.5. Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brothers, right? This is, we understand dream is his assignment, right? What are we supposed to be doing? He dreamed a dream. It came to him in a dream. What are you supposed to do? And he told it to his brothers, look at this. And his brothers hated him yet the more. Look at 3711. Let's go to 3711, guys. And his brothers envied him. His brothers envied him. Now, it seems to be that the culprit of folks who come against you, it has to do with envy or jealousy. That's going to be one of the enemies. Of your sermon. Wisdom King, anything good is hated by everything evil. Here's another one. When you announce your assignment, your enemies will emerge. You'll find out who your enemies are. Because they'll begin to speak out. The devil will use people to discourage you, speak out against. You know? We went to go get the house, and God, you know, it was God's will for us to get that house and stuff like that. And, you know, some people like, now be careful now. You don't want to get too much more than... You, you know, y'all trying to jump out there. But some of that came from, I don't have it. I don't want to see you have something better than me. Some of that can come from that. Somebody say amen now, right? So we got to be alert that everybody is not going to be happy about your assignment. <laughs> Hello? You might show up, you know, and I remember when I showed up on people's staff and people figured out, you know, I could preach. There was other people on staff. It was a certain kind of way they were treating me or looking at me. Because envy will develop enemies toward what it is you're supposed to be doing. Now, there's no reason to envy anybody, even in this room. If you have a problem with jealousy and envy, there's no reason to envy anybody. It's because everybody has their own assignment. Yes? Everybody has their own assignment. So there's no reason to envy. It's like looking at somebody with a husband and being mad. They, well, you can get your own husband. The Bible says it over in 1 Corinthians 7. It says, let every woman have her own husband. Those sisters looking at Natalie and Brother Gerald. Must be nice. No, you can have. Come on, Sister Natalie, right? That's yours, right? Amen. Go get your own. You can get your own husband now. Somebody say amen. amen. And let every man have his own wife, right? So there's no reason to envy anybody because you can have it. But you remember why Cain killed Abel? And God pleaded with him. He said, if you do well, I'll accept yours. No, 
He didn't want him to get favor from God. And you got to watch that in your heart because sometimes evil will develop in your heart towards somebody because they, you know, they're doing something that they're called to do or whatnot. All right? So, so sometimes that, that will develop in you and then sometimes when you have an assignment, uh, it, it, you know, it'll develop in other people. All right? So envy, right, will develop against your assignment. All right? Now, many people say that Joseph's flaw was that was his need to communicate and to seek approval for his assignment. I'm still on the fence with that. I mean, maybe if he had told his brothers, it wouldn't have caused the other things to happen that led him to his assignment. I don't know how that stuff works. But I can tell you that you need to be discreet about who you share your vision with all the time. <laughs> yeah. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm going to put this on tape because they did it. It was public. You know, no grease, no grease barbershops. Yeah. I was over there talking to them guys, and I said, man, I got this concept for urbanpreneurship, man. Just what is it like, you know, in the urban communities to really have a business to thrive? Man, two years later, they wrote the book, Urbanership. Should have kept my mouth closed. <laughs> right? Can't share everything. You got an invention and stuff like that? Man, you better get some non-disclosure agreements with people. You have to share your, your idea so that, you know, you can uh, get it patented or whatever. But you got you got to you got to have some non hey bro no I need you to sign this non disclosure agreement so if I see my stuff somewhere else you get ready to get sued all right so sometimes we got to be wise with how we communicate our assignment all right but if you had a flaw here's another wisdom key greatness is not the absence of a flaw but the willingness to overcome it. And number one are your own flaws that can be an enemy to your assignment. You got this great vision, but you procrastinate, right? That's an enemy to your assignment. You got to identify the enemies in you first before you identify the enemies outside. I procrastinate. You got to admit that. So now you got to put some things in place that's going to help you not procrastinate. Hello? Who knows one thing that'll help you not procrastinate? Anybody know? Huh? A mentor and some accountability, right? A IDP, some goals, right? By win, right? So then now you meeting with your mentor. Hey, yo, that was a great goal. You said by September. Okay, you didn't reach that goal, did you? How much? You said three thousand by September. How much you got now? Fifty dollars in there in my savings. Okay, then we gonna have to we got to change up something, right? And so now we are gonna have to hold you accountable and switch it up. So sometimes you got to understand that the enemy to your assignment is sometimes in a, the enemy is in a me, right? The enemy is you. It's something in you, right? What about you got this great assignment here that calls for bravery and courage, but you're bound by the spirit of fear, all right? The enemy of your assignment is on the inside of you, yeah? So greatness is not the absence of a flaw but the willingness to overcome it. 
Every great person has a flaw. But many times, they overcame it. You know, Moses was a stutterer, right? But he overcame it, right? So you got to be able to own it, self-actualize, like I was talking about that young lady, self-actualize. Know what it is. Stop denying it. Stop hiding it and saying, this is my fault. Hello? I don't, I don't really know how to talk to people. I don't really have good people skills. You can sharpen skills, right? You can learn skills. Somebody say amen. All right? And if one of your flaws stands in the way of your assignment, hey, get with somebody and see, how can I work on this? Yo, I had a voice coach last year. Remember, and Tia was helping me too. Kept losing my voice, speaking and stuff. Y'all remember that? You remember, right? Come to church, couldn't speak, man. Got up, couldn't hardly even speak. Well, I had a voice coach. He's like, man, you're talking wrong. You, you're speaking wrong. You're breathing wrong. You're singing wrong. And I got correction, amen? How you like me now? Can you hear me now? Is my voice strong now? Yeah, I just preached eight times, right? But y'all, we need to stop being so proud and reach. Come on. Humility is the, is the willingness to reach to get some help. We all have flaws. But you got to know how to overcome them. And stop saying, I can't over, I can't do it. Uh, Won't somebody feel sorry? No. Why don't you reach for somebody that can help you? Somebody say amen to that. So here it is again. Greatness is not the absence of a flaw. But your willingness, if you're willing and obedient. Your willingness, Isaiah 119. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Some of the greatest speakers, I mean, speaking to people, millions of people every day, couldn't even talk. Andrew Womack, couldn't even talk to people. How many of y'all know he overcame a flaw? Amen. George Myers sitting around doing um, Bible studies and Daisy Dukes and smoking cigarettes. Isn't that how she started? Yeah. How many of y'all know she overcame a flaw? <laughs> Nobody gonna listen up, walking around no day. Don't nobody even wanna see all that. She all now smoking cigarettes. Nobody wanna she had to overcome some flaws to get to her assignment. Some of us we let cigarettes keep her. I just like cigarettes too much. And you supposed to be preaching to millions. Come on, somebody. You gotta overcome those flaws. Somebody say amen. You're not organized? Hire somebody to help you get organized. Right? Because you got to be organized to do your assignment. You got to be consistent to do your assignment. You got to be healthy to do your assignment. I can't just go to gym. Hire a coach. Come on, hire a trainer. Somebody's going to hold you accountable. Right? You overcome the flaws. Acknowledge the flaws. Don't deny the flaws. Stop trying to hide and lie about your flaws. Hey, I'm flawed. Hello? Have I ever shared my flaws with y'all? In our open book, I'm transparent. Like, I, I'm not up here trying to be some God or something. But, y'all, I've learned to overcome. Come on, somebody. My flaws. All right. Number two, an uncommon assignment attracts un, an uncommon adversary. You have an uncommon assignment, you're going to have an uncommon adversary. All right. Joseph had several, I mean, he just had adversary after adversary after adversary. Like he could not get a break. 
and you got to be wise, and you got to know how to handle your adversaries. All right? And I've been in them situations, you know, you really do have to be discreet sometimes. Uh-huh. You know, you go to Hawaii something, and you come back with the Hawaii picture showing all your coworkers. Everybody, everybody not happy. Yeah. You went to Hawaii. As I quickly found out. Wait, are you acting funny, bro? What the heck? Let's be nice. Say your money go too. They got they got deals now, you know. Thought people be, you know, I'm the kind of person. I'm always happy for other people. Everybody happy for you. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> uncommon assignment attracts uncommon adversary. Mm. So his brothers were envious and they became a very uncommon adversary. Now generally people don't go this far, but y'all, they got in their heart, let's kill them. Now y'all, this guy hadn't done nothing to nobody. He hadn't hit nobody. <laughs> he hadn't cussed nobody out. Hadn't mistreated anybody, hadn't cheated, hadn't stolen from his brothers. Didn't, you know, didn't steal none of their girlfriends or nothing. The Bible don't say none of that. He was just told him his dream. And his daddy favored him. They said, let's kill him. See what happens with his dreams, right? So never underestimate how far an enemy will go because of your assignment. Now we know the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against what? Principalities, spirits, right? Demonic spirits, powers, yeah? But people are subject, weak people are subject to those powers. They are. And Satan will use weak people to sabotage your assignment. <laughs> new people, I tell people be very careful when you're new and stuff. Because you get really excited, you go out and start talking, talking about the ministry, talking about the church, talking about everything you're learning, right? You know, I've seen these women with a deadbeat boyfriend. He ain't saved. But a lot of times he come to church, see, well, she must be talking to some dude over there. Yeah. He come in and he throw a monkey wrench right in the whole thing. She's not as excited no more, mom. She started missing a couple of times. You know? Even, and, and, and you know, and, and here's how he knows the devil, Israel, because, see, he only pick on the new people like that. Right? People actually want to come to church with the new people to mess their stuff up because they knew they babes. Mess around, get older in the faith, lunge, and try to get somebody to come to church. They ain't never come to church then. <laughs> You can't get a person to come to church. Because devil know they, they can't pull you away. But when you knew, yeah, 
they coming to see. Enemies of your assignment. Everybody said, don't fall for it. And you got to tell new people that, right? You got to tell them, be alert, man, because everybody's not going to be happy about your new salvation. Everybody not going to really be happy you got baptized. Everybody's not going to be happy that you find a new church home. And then they're going to try to start people, well, they don't want no man, so what they doing? Hello? <laughs> why you, why you got to go over there so much? I mean, for real, dude, take all that, baby. I mean, I'm glad you call religion. Hello? All of that stuff, right? Uncommon assignment of Christ attracts an uncommon adversary. Here's, a, here's another one I want you to really get. And it's for the new people. It kind of goes along with that too. Those comfortable with your weaknesses may be adversarial to your assignment. They know your weaknesses. They knew you back when. Nudgy, girl, I know you. Nudgy. Girl. When we used to do X, Y, Z. James, you tripping, bro. Come on, bro. You used to be down. Come over here and hit some of this weed with us. What's up? Those familiar with your weaknesses, hello, family members, right? Those comfortable with your weaknesses become adversarial to your assignment. They know you. And when you start talking about what God has called you to do and what you believe God is saying, they become adversarial to you, to your assignment from God, not from the stuff you're making up in your head. I'm talking about the real stuff. Somebody say amen. People be down with you as long as you're doing foolishness. I've seen people, y'all, who was in and out of jail, doing all kind of stuff on drugs and stuff. Man, and they family was kind of cool when they was playing that role. The black sheep. Mess around, get saved, get serious about God. Now they got a problem. Now they want to do an intervention. They didn't do an intervention when you was partying, driving like his eye, getting drunk, sleeping with everybody every weekend. They didn't do an intervention then. But now you at church and you loving God and why you giving all that money? Why you doing this and that? Now they want to do an intervention. Me and daddy, we just want to talk to you. Your sisters and them, they concerned. Y'all wasn't concerned when I was out there getting drunk and throwing up every, every Saturday, Friday night? Hello? We've seen that. But more people can be more in agreement with your weakness than they can your assignment. Y'all remember? Let, let's go over there. This is not in my notes. I'm going to show it to you again. Go to Mark chapter 5. <laughs> this is hilarious. But I see this all the time. Mark chapter 5, there was a man in the country of Gadarenes. When he had come out of the boat, Jesus immediately met him a man out of the tomb with an unclean spirit. There's a man in the tombs, graveyard, unclean spirit. Nobody could bind him. That means somebody tried to bind him, right? Somebody tried to stop him in that country. The, whoever the gathering, uh, uh, you know, uh, the police officers of the gathering county tried to put handcuffs on him, couldn't do nothing, right? 
So if you can't bind, the police can't bind him, this guy's a scary guy. Not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him. Superhuman strength. Neither could anyone tame him. That means somebody was trying to tame him. This guy is a terror, man. He's a threat. Y'all see this? And always day and night, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stone. When he saw Jesus, he ran to worship him. Look at um, verse 8. Jesus said unto him, come out, you unclean spirit. Right? Then he asked him his name, said his name is Legion, and he begged in earnest that he wouldn't cause him to leave the country. This is the spirit. And so Jesus told him to say, okay. Uh, verse 12, so all the demons begged him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Now the demons are talking to this man, and Jesus gave them permission. And the unclean spirits went out and into the swine or the pigs, and there were about 2,000. They ran violently down a steep place in the sea and drowned in the sea. So all who fed the swine, they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed that nobody could tame, nobody could shackle, right? Sitting, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw what had happened to him, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine, they began to plead with him, Jesus, to leave their region. <laughs> now Jesus just freed this man. <laughs> and they're more concerned about the pigs than the deliverers of the man. Hello? In essence, leave, look, leave the pigs alone. We cool with the man being possessed. Yo, people were cool with you when you were demon-possessed. <laughs> they, they, they like that till. Hello? They like the old you that was all messed up all over the place. Strung out. Promiscuous. All that stuff. They liked it, man. Colonel, you was having no parties at the house. People was drinking, getting lit. They liked that. Life is jacked up. Some of the same people cheated on their wife, right? Messed their family up. They liked you then, though, right? But when you got saved, now we got problems. You know, you can get your family members to do anything. Remember when you weren't saved? Come over. Come on. Hello? You didn't get them to come to church when you weren't saved. We have family and friends. Did they come? Man, you get saved. Now they got the problem, right? Because those that are comfortable with your weaknesses may be adversarial to your son, okay? Look at Nehemiah 4 and 1. Nehemiah's building the wall. Once you get into your assignment, don't, you know, and some of y'all just, just too soft, man, for, for the kingdom. I just need somebody to encourage me. And somebody just go to church and I, they just beat up on you and always correct it. See somebody encourage me. Hey man, ain't nobody gonna encourage you when you get in your assignment. David said, What? 
Sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Why are you always blaming other people, though? That's in the room. It's always other people. What somebody didn't do. What did God tell you to do? Are you doing what God tell you to do? No. Why not? Because they didn't encourage me. Hey, you're going to stand before God for that. That means you didn't obey him. Hello? But it came to pass when Sambala heard that we were building the wall, he was mad and took indignation and he mocked us. End of the story was Nehemiah said, I ain't got time for Sambala. I can't come down. I'm building the wall. Say what you want, bro. Just keep your hands to yourself. That's all. Hello? <laughs> well, put your hands on me now. But you can say what you want. I'm going to do what God called me to do. You got to get resolute about your life like that. Number one, you got to find, right? You got to follow. And what else? What's the last one? You got to fulfill your assignment now. And once you find it, don't worry about everybody else. Somebody say amen. Somebody's going to encourage you, but y'all, a lot of people will try to discourage you or discredit you or tell you what you can't do. Somebody say amen. But guess what over here? We believe what the Bible says. I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. What is that, Philippians 4.13? I can do all things. Everybody say it again. Be resolute. What did God tell you to do? Right. Be strong. Be courageous. All of that. But here's the thing. You know on the front end, did he tell you to get the car? All right. Go get it. Did he tell you to get the house? Then why are you stressed out now? Did he tell you to do it? Come on, somebody. You better encourage yourself. Y'all, from the old house that we lost in the flood, I think I marked, what, 1,600 or something? That's pretty hefty, you know, back then. Homeless, 20, 30, uh, 20, 28 days later, new house, $2,800. You think I could freak out on that? And it's a one-income household? Hello? Hello? And you don't know what's getting ready to happen because of the flood and all of that? Y'all, but I resolved if God told us to get it, it was already confirmed by the man of God. We knew what we wanted. Then I was resolved, man. Amen. That $1,200 more a month? And that ain't even, you know, more lights, more, I mean, everything. Y'all, I'm going to tell you, and Gina can, can, can bear with me. We have never missed a beat from day one, from October 2017. And I mean, I done had raises, raises, raises since then. Y'all, I'm talking about on, from that first month on, we never missed a payment. We was never out of money. I didn't have to go, baby, let's eat some beans and weenies for a month. Because God provided, because that's what God said. 
got to know what God's saying. And when God says it, it becomes part of your assignment. And when it becomes your assignment, man, don't let nothing discourage you. Because fear hits you. I didn't let it hit me. But y'all, when you done went through the trauma of losing everything, see, that was part of it too. When you done went through the trauma of losing everything and staying at this nasty hotel for seven weeks, your faith get real strong. When you close on that house, you're like, God, whatever you got to do, we out, we out of that. We, we in the house. We going to believe you, God. And God did it. Somebody say amen. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this again because it's in my notes again. Jealousy seems to be the, what triggers many enemies to your assignment. Ah. I'm going to say it again. Jealousy seems to be what triggers many enemies to your assignment. Never underestimate how far people will go when they're jealous of you. I made those mistakes in my life. I did not even realize that was a thing. I really didn't. I was naive. Even in ministering at churches, I did not realize how far people would go because they envied you or they were jealous of you. Y'all, we were in churches and pastors with sin loose women to my ministry to entrap me to get something on me because they were jealous of my purity. I didn't know that back then. I learned it later. <laughs> Never underestimate how far someone will go because they're jealous of you. And that's, that's going to be one of your biggest enemies of your assignment. Because when you start in your assignment, I'm going to tell y'all, the Bible says you will become enviably blessed. Do you know what that means? You're going to be so blessed, people are going to envy you when they look at you. I can't imagine, I told my wife not long ago, I can't imagine what people think when they see us now. I mean, it ain't nothing, we're the same people, but because we've got all these other things attached to us, you know, people, they think all kind of stuff. I don't care. Somebody say amen. But I got to be wise. We got to know that there's people out there like that. Amen. Look at 1 Samuel. We talking about how to identify an enemy to your assignment. And then we're going to talk about who those enemies might be. 1 Samuel 18, 7 through 8. So this was after David killed Goliath. This was after David killed Goliath. Say, after David killed Goliath. <laughs> the women started singing a song. Now, if David would have known this, he'd have told them, don't sing this song. I've had people sing this song, too, at churches. And I wish they would have never sung it because it, it, it ended my career at the church. Some men of God aren't strong enough to deal with somebody else who's gifted. I'm a different kind of pastor, you know. I want people's gifts to emerge, right? We can plant more churches, you know. I never get jealous of anybody. Amen? How I many I know when Cassie comes to the church, some people get jealous, though? Amen? So if she's seen better than me, I'm happy. 
You know why, LaJane? Now I don't have to sing as much. Keep my voice from preaching. Hello? Yeah, I don't, I don't have that. I never, mama, tell you, have I, I don't think I ever had that in me, jealousy of people. She never had that. Like we, you know, we have a lot of flaws. People say we rougher and all that. But we, just that jealousy with other people about what they got, we get happy for people. But some, it's, some, it's, some, it's in the room too, yo. You got to deal with that. If you if you like that, you got to deal with that. With that green-eyed monster called jealousy and envy. You got to deal with that. Because it will cause you to be on the wrong side of the men and women of God. Look at what happened. So he defeated Goliath and the women started. Now, David didn't tell these women to sing this. You know, people are always looking for an idol. They're looking for something to worship. They're looking for something to celebrate, right? And they're always comparing too, right? I always ask Kessler, you know, Dr. Rogers preached better than me. We do that in jazz, you know? But people are always trying to compare. Who's the GOAT, right? Listen, and the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Y'all, that will cause some problemos. Next scripture. And Saul was very angry. And this displeased him. And he said, they've ascribed unto David tens of thousands. And to me, they've ascribed but a thousand. And what can he have more but the kingdom. Say, he's after my stuff. You go on a job, you've got a great aptitude to do your job, you're doing it with joy. Hit them three other sisters on the side looking at you. She always up in the boss face. Boss asks you to do something. Oh, sure thing, boss, yeah. I get it right. You want it now? You want double space? What you want? Boss asks him. Now, wait a minute. Now, you already asked me to do two things. How am I going to do that and do this? Hello? Say you a brown noser, all of that. They get jealous. Hello? And then sometimes people think we're jealous and we're not jealous. They must be trying to stop me because they're jealous. Ain't nobody. Good God Almighty. <laughs> people who ain't got nothing, why am I jealous of you? Hmm. I was at a church one time. And y'all, I knew it. I knew, I knew it was coming down to it. The power of God felt so heavy, right? In this particular service I was preaching, I literally, I, I ran out of the sanctuary to stop because it was going way too far. Like, it, it was a Baptist church, but it was like, it was like a spirit-filled church. 
And it was like one of them out of control meetings in the Spiritville Church. Folks running around. Folks, they were just going crazy at the message. And I knew I couldn't go so far in the spirit realm with them because the pastor hadn't. So I left. And man, pastor wasn't there. And man, his relatives start saying stuff like, ooh, pastor so-and-so. Ooh, Reverend Long, he was preaching better than you. I heard two people say that. That was that was the end. That was that was, that was it. Everything after that, it was to get me out. Didn't have nothing to do with me. So jealousy comes with it. Don't worry about it. People gonna come against you. They can't stop. Everybody say they can't stop me. Everybody say the devil can't stop me because I'm determined to find. Follow and fulfill my assignment. Man, you got to have some tougher skin than some of y'all. Every five minutes. <laughs> and it ain't doing nothing yet. Just to get you to come to church. <laughs> they ain't say nothing. Please. Them people ain't going to do nothing, man. All right, how do I identify? How do I identify? How do I identify? I'm going to read a little bit more about Saul. So look at, hmm. look at verse 28. Same thing about Joseph. I'm just showing you some common threads. Look at 1828. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that his daughter Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid. Here we go. This is, this is another characteristic of your enemy. They're jealous, they're envious, and they're afraid. Now, y'all, I've been a youth pastor uh, uh, most of my ministerial career up to now, you know. I've been pastoring maybe 12 to 10 years or whatever this was, nine years. But mostly youth pastoring. And now, like, can I tell you, I never wanted to do nothing else. That's all I wanted to do. That's my wife. Just help a pastor, build a youth ministry, work with the youth. I don't even like preaching adults know how. Because y'all get, y'all too fickle. And it takes too much to get y'all to move. Like, I like that college age, that youth age, man, they ready, they young. They ain't got a bunch, you know, you can get them to do something. And that's really true. And, and so when that stuff happened, and this has happened several times at churches that I've been at, the pastors get afraid just because I have an anointing. But I, I would never assert that over them. Like, I was like, dude, I'm cool, Benny. Y'all the one, like, I can just go back here and preach. Y'all the one keep asking me to come up here to the adults. I didn't have to do that, Right? But they would get afraid I was going to try to take their members and do something. How about I told them, I said, your members safe with, with me because I don't want your crazy members. Saul got afraid of David. 
Now, the truth of it was, David was the next generation who was going to be king. That was true. So he was sensing something, and that was his assignment. But it was Saul's fault. Hello? Why? Because Saul had been disobedient to God, and God had basically fired him and anointed another man to take his place, which was going to be David. But David was not going to take the throne. He wasn't going to seize the throne. He was this man, I just played, he was just playing the harp for the, for the king. Just doing whatever he asked for. But this is what it says. Saul knew that the Lord was with him. See, your enemy knows that the Lord is with you more than you know the Lord is with you. And that's the truth. Ah, I ain't got time. But there's a, there's a great cross-reference I like to show you. It's over in Numbers I think 13, when they said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. They were afraid to go in the promised land. You remember that? Joshua and Caleb, they were afraid to go over into the promised land. God delivered them out of Egypt to take them into the promised land, right? They'd been in the wilderness with Moses, and then they said, let's go into the promised land. Well, they were afraid to go into the promised land, right? And then, Aaliyah, they started saying, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. They started projecting what they thought of them. And I'm going to tell you sometime, I'm going to tell you in this room, it's in this room too. It's all mental games that the devil play. You think somebody thinking something about you. You, okay, first of all, you can't control your own thoughts. How do you know, how can you even get into what somebody else is thinking towards you? You don't know. And many times you are totally wrong about what they're thinking towards you. I found that out in high school. Y'all, you know, a lot of times the pretty girls, the, the real, real pretty ones, like my wife was, you know, them guys didn't, they didn't ask her nothing. And she said one time she talked to a guy, she's like, what's the deal? What's wrong with me? Or whatever she said. And he's like, oh, nothing. Like, all the guys, all of us, we're scared to talk to you. She thought they was thinking something was wrong with her. Come to find out, it was the total opposite. So they say, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Well, we find out later what they really thought of them. Who reveals it? Rahab. Rahab reveals what, what the enemy really thought of them. And she said to Joshua and them, she, and the spies that he sent, he said, our hearts melted when we heard about y'all because we heard about what God did at the Red Sea. See, your enemy knows what God has been doing for you. Your enemy knows the favor he's had on you. Your enemy is afraid of you and you over there afraid of what he thinks. You think he's thinking about what you think he thought. <laughs> y'all, you, you don't even know what you think thinking half the time. Please don't try to project what you think somebody else is thinking. Will the devil make somebody think that, that you think that somebody don't like you when they really like you? Of course he does. Will the devil make you think somebody is, you know, think you can't do it when they really think that you're really good? Yes. It's all mind games. It's mental warfare, y'all. And y'all, those are the things that keep us from our assignment. Oh, I can't finish this tonight. 
But yeah. Don't go to scripture unless it's actually. <laughs> All right, so go back because I'm, I'm trying to get, get somewhere. Go back. 28. 28, okay. Yes, stay, stay with me, bro. All right. I know you're trying to be intuitive, but stay with me. Thus Saul, 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 Saul and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him and Saul was still more afraid of David. So now he's afraid of him. And Saul... Be, became David's enemy continually, continually. <laughs> he became his enemy, right? So wasn't that his father-in-law? Yeah, became his enemy. So let's talk about who can be your enemy real quick. A relative may become an enemy. And Joseph, right? I mean, your arch enemy to your assignment. Huh. I've seen people away from their, like, mothers can be smotherers, right? Now, my mom never did that. She never did. She let me fly. But mothers can be smotherers, right? And a lot of times, sometimes with sons, I've seen it. And a lot of times with daughters, I've seen women in churches, I mean, they're blossoming. And they're going into their assignment, all of a sudden, here come their mama join the church, or their mama comes around, or their mama moves in. Then they start going regression, right? Because now they was 35, grown, doing their thing, but now around their mama, they become that same little 12-year-old girl. Have you ever seen that? I've seen people become adolescents around their parents. And I tell my parents, you know, I'm, I'm a grown man now. <laughs> Amen. Well, my parents, not my mama, obviously, you could, but, you know, <laughs> process elimination. Hey, where you staying? Where's your family? Where they going? I said, first of all, I'm 40. I got four children. And a wife. Like, I'm grown. I'm not asking, no, did I ask you for money? Like, I just, we can stay where we want to stay. I'm a grown man. I'm not going to become a child. Amen. I'm not going to become a child around my mama because she at the church. I'm the pastor. I'm a man. Come on, somebody. Now I'm going to respect her. I'm going to honor her. But sometimes relatives, because in families, we play what? What do we play in families? Roles. So there's the black sheep of the family, there's the, this one, there's the pleaser, there's a, so we play roles and sometimes we get around, come on, Alundra, our family, our brothers and sisters, it's easy to snap back into that role, right? When we've, we've graduated way beyond that role, right? God has used us way beyond that, right? And then they start talking to us like we're a little boy, talking to us like we're a little girl. Hello? But I thank God it ain't pride, but it's dignity. Somebody say amen. Like, you got to have some dignity. Like, hey, mom, I love you, but that's my husband. Come on, somebody. <laughs> no, I know what God called me to do. Amen. That's my pastor. You're not going to talk about him like that. Come on, somebody. Hello? Yeah. 
people because they're your mama or something, they can just, or your daddy, they can just say whatever. Treat, no, no, no. Hello? And we've had to really talk to people like that because people, we get burned down, beat down, all of that. Amen. You know the Bible, and we talked about this in Charlotte, and i I never seen the distinction before, but in uh, Ephesians 6 and 1, it says, children, obey your parents. And then it says, honor your mother and father. That was to the adults. Only children are told to obey. Come on, somebody. I'm an adult now. I don't have to absolutely obey my mom because I'm not under her jurisdiction. I'm not in her home anymore, but I still have to honor her. Somebody say amen. I can honor her without obeying her and agreeing with her. Amen. Do you see what I'm saying? And so sometimes our relatives become our enemy. A pleasant associate. Once you're not doing what they want you to do, we'll become your enemy. Remember Potiphar's wife? She liked Joseph. She wanted him to be around. (laughs) In the animated version of it, you know, she was the one that told Potiphar to hire him. She was looking at him. He cute, right? She liked him for her own agenda. (laughs) And long as you fulfilling Jasmine their agenda, they cool with you. But then when you have to tell them, no, I can't do that. See, she was cool with Joseph until he had to say, no, I'm not doing that. You saw how easily she flipped on him? Turn quickly. Accuse him falsely of rape, knowing that he could be killed. Or put in jail. She didn't even care about him. I thought you wanted Joseph so bad. No, that was infatuation. That was lust. Somebody say amen. Turned against him. Right? A pleasant associate. I'm going to tell you one thing. Happened to me. You know, you're working with people or you're working around people or you got neighbors or something. And one day the Lord tell you to share the gospel with them. They've been pleasant with you, speaking to you, watering the grass, Right? They've been watering the grass. How you doing there, Courtney? How you doing there? Been watering the grass, speaking to you, and then one day you go share the gospel. Then they become an enemy to you. Why? I just shared the gospel. Hello? Yeah. So you got to look out for that. An ally may become an enemy. You remember Potiphar? Potiphar was his ally. But he believed his lying wife. She knew, he knew she was a liar. And that probably wasn't his first time, right? He was an ally. He became an enemy, all right? The baker was a friend who temporarily acted like an enemy. He told him, I'm going to tell him when, you, when I get out, waited two years to tell the king so he could get him out. So there are going to be all kinds of twists and turns as you do your assignment with people. Some people are going to act like they're your friend. Some people act like they're going to help you. They're going to become your enemies. Some people you're going to be suspicious of like, man, they really trying to help me. And they'll become your ally. Somebody say amen. But I'm going to tell you one one thing that you got to do is you've got to be able to end access to anyone that constantly and consistently disrespects your assignment and who you're assigned to. And that would be your church as well. Somebody say amen. Those who disrespect your assignment are unqualified for access. 
Access is a blessing. Now, you don't feel like it is. Access to you, you don't feel like it's, it's a big deal because you don't feel like you're anything important. You're not a celebrity or anything like that. Right? But let's take a celebrity. Let's take an important head of state, right? Your access is limited based on who you are, right? I can't come up tomorrow and go to Washington, D.C. and walk in and see the president. I don't have access to him, right? I don't, right? Because access is a valuable thing when you are important. Right? Everybody don't get to go in and talk to the president. His wife can, his children can, you know, the vice president can. But, you know, everybody don't have that access, right? And then some people are enemies to him. They don't want it. You know, that's why you have secret service, right? Protecting the president, heads of states, whoever they are. Whether you agree with their political ideologies or not, you, everybody doesn't have access to him. So here's the thing. Everybody shouldn't have access to you. Because you're God's man or woman, and you have a very important assignment. And y'all, I'm going to tell you, those people who constantly speak negative about you, your assignment, your church, your pastor, what you're doing, and what you're involved in, you've got to limit access because they will dilute you, and you will begin to change your opinion. You will begin to wane away from what God has called you to do? Somebody say amen. You know, and I was dealing with a, a church member one time. They sit up and let their family say all kinds of crazy stuff about me and my wife. And they sitting in it. But then when somebody came against them to us, we defended them. I was like, well, what's up with that? And they had to make some adjustments. Make some adjustments. Because, y'all, people that disrespect your assignment, where you're going and what you're doing, y'all, they, they can't have access. And everybody in my family know that. Everybody know. Like, whatever, man. Y'all can do whatever. Somebody say amen. I'm going on in the name of the Lord. Here's the last scripture. Let's go to uh, Matthew 12, 48. Matthew 12, 48. Jesus preaching, he's taught, you know, he's having a Bible study or something, and his mother interrupts, his brother, his sisters interrupts what he's doing. No respect for what he's doing. Now, they wouldn't have went in the temple and interrupted the Pharisees. They wouldn't have done that. But this is Jesus. We know him. This is our brother. This is my son. Tell my son I'm out here. Jesus never moved. He said, he said, but he answered him and said, who is my mother? Who, is my, who are my brother? Keep going. And he stretched forth his hand to what the disciples and said, behold, my mother and my brother. He said, y'all are the ones that have access to me. Y'all are the ones that have my attention. Y'all are the ones that get to spend time with me. Y'all are the ones that get to ask me intimate questions. We never see his brothers and sisters in there asking about the end times or asking Jesus about how to pray. They didn't get, they didn't get that time with him because they were disrespectful of his assignment. 
People count what you're doing, nothing. You know, what you got to do all that for and all that stuff. Hey, man, go ahead somewhere else. Because, Alondra, if I continue to listen to them, my heart's going to start turning. Hello? So we got to get resolute in what we're doing. Are we doing this for God? What are we doing? Are we going to do it? We're not going to do it. What are we going to do? And if you're not going to do it, why don't you just stand up tonight, come to the altar and say, God, I ain't doing nothing else you say. See, people not, they don't have that kind of courage. They want to hide behind coming to church, hide behind somebody mistreating them at church. No, no, no. Why don't you just stand up and tell God, I ain't doing it. <laughs> Hello? Why hold between two opinions? That's what Elijah said. If God is God, serve him. If Baal is Baal, serve him. But every last one of you in there got an assignment. So we can talk about who shot John, all that stuff we want to talk about. But at the end of the day, I'm going to ask you at the end of the conversation, are you doing what God told you to do? You know, some of y'all might want to meet with me, have all kinds of complaints. My last question is going to be, but are you doing what God told you to do? Well, I don't know. Well, how are you even sitting here trying to tell me something? You don't even know your assignment. Trying to correct somebody at the church. Trying to correct me. Why don't you get in your assignment, though? So either you're going to do it or you're not. Hello? But you got to get resolute. Because once you make up your mind to do it, LeJame, is it going to be easy? <laughs> Mama told me every day is like this, right? <laughs> Life ain't no crystal stare. Just because you find your assignment, make up your mind, don't mean it's going to be easy. Amen. You got to stick to it. Hello? Pick and stick. That's what Jesus said, planned to say. Make a resolute decision. And let's go on in the name of the Lord. Somebody say amen tonight. If this was good, go to put your hands together and bless God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're enemies to your son. Can you identify them? It might be your best friend. It could be your mama. Could be your daddy. Could be your brother or your sister. Could be your husband or your wife. Now let me tell you something about that last point. If you stand up to people, especially your relatives, and set boundaries and make resolute decisions, enemies can become allies. Every last one of those people that stood outside that Bible study, they was inside on the day of Pentecost. Mary and all her sons was inside. The book of James was one of them dudes that was out there. That's Jesus' brother. Jesus' brother was James that wrote the book of James, not the apostle James. And Jude, that was Jesus' brother as well. But he said a boundary, Nellie. He said a boundary and said, hey, this is what I'm about and you know, they were slow about it. They got with the program. Hello? Why are we always doing changing? No, I'm not changing. I'm going to stand my ground. And watch this lunge. When they get sick, who they going to call them? <laughs> right? But if I, leave, if I leave my place, when they get sick, they can't even get no help from me. Because I let them influence me. And that's what Joseph said. You catch me later. 
You hate me now, you're going to like me later. And they did. You know why? Because he had the food and they was in famine. <laughs> Good thing Joseph had a forgiving hardware. Yeah, I'd have made, made them fast about another week in jail. All this stuff y'all did to me, he had a good heart and just wept and cried. He felt compassion. Amen. So y'all, just because you identify an enemy, don't write them off. Amen. You may be able to be a blessing to them later. Hello? Or they may totally convert over to your way of thinking and helping your assignment. Amen. But y'all, we can't leave our assignment because of enemies and attacks. 